as we transition here to um, to worship through through the um, through the word, um, as we in the past few Sundays, uh, Pastor Scott has been um, reminding us what abiding, um, what remaining in the Lord means, and he used the the image of um, tea. You know, a little tea bag, hot water. So, the idea of soaking, not dipping, just in and out. And, you know, you just got not even flavored water, just hot water. But you let it soak. You let it stay there. And then it just changes the water, right? So, that's the image he has been working with us. And and as part of that, how does it look in different aspects? One of them is, is reading scripture, is that we are soaking ourselves in this um, last Sunday and this Sunday um, in Psalm 8. We, we started last week, and if you can open your Bibles uh, uh, with me to Psalm 8, we've been studying it. We've, well, it, we can spend a year in it. But anyway, we only have, only have two Sundays. So, so we started and, and, and we just went through it and we read it, and um, we're going to do the same today. We're going to read Psalm 8, and then we're going to continue um, soaking ourselves in it. So, if you come with me to Psalm 8, and we will read it together. All right. So, O Yahweh our Lord. And as I told you last week, let's try to remember whenever we see the capital um, L-O-R-D, it's God's name. So, I'm going to be using that. O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. And we say, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come and begin our study in Scripture, may we be transformed by it. May our hearts and mind be open and be sensitive to what you have to tell us. It is your word. It is not ours. It is not mine. It is not any human's word, but it is yours. The same word that created the heavens and the earth and made all this possible, that it became flesh in Jesus, that's what we're interacting with. That's what we're engaging with, which brings life and power and transformation. May we let that transform us, shape us, giving us life, Father. Because your word, that's your word. Your word is life. Help us soak in ourselves in it as we study and we ponder and we meditate on your word, on Psalm 8. How you have done this for the for the world and for humans, for us. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So last Sunday, I'm going to go back to there uh, a little bit. Um, we went through the the song, the part of the song in which um, God created everything that we see, everything that we that and everything that we do not see is also part of His creation as well. But all of this is it's so huge, it's big, it's it's unfathomable. I don't think that's the word. That's the word, right? Thank you. So it's it's amazing, and 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 the world and the creation itself cannot show can it can point to God's glory, but it cannot reveal it. And we use the example of um, of an embassy. You know, and you go into an embassy, you you see a little you you in another country, of course, you find people speaking English, and and you see some of the art. And some of the things like that. and But it's not the United States itself. In order to do that, an embassy cannot contain the I don't know how many thousand square miles it is. It, it can't do it. It points to it. It gives you like a little glimpse of what it is. So creation, that's what it does. It, it points to someone who did it. Just like a painting points to a painter. Creation points to a creator. However, in order for us to perceive God's glory and to understand what it is, God needs to reflect it. He needs to reveal it. And the way He does that is through human beings. It cannot be done any other way. And we used the, the image of a, of a mirror um, last week in which humanity... It is like an angled mirror. It is not that God wants to see himself there. There's, there's some, of them, some truth in that. But our purpose is that through an angled mirror, I can see in both directions. So humanity is called to do that. So we dwell on that. And we went through that last week. Uh, how God has placed these some have, have um, how this psalm tells us at the beginning, Oh, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then... At the end, when humanity does what they're supposed to do, and everyone and the world sees a, a humans, they can say, Oh, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So, we saw that. We saw that the um, heavens are big, the creation is big, and then we compare it, and we saw some pictures, and we made some comparisons, and so on. And humans, this the sensation, the feeling that we have to get out of, out of this psalm is what starts in verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him? It's a paradox. We are tiny, small. We made this point. It's so small. And, this, and the writer of, of this psalm recognizes, which is David, as, sh- as, we sh- as should we recognize as well that we are very small. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, we're fa- we find out that we are made out of dirt. We're dirt creatures. I don't mean an offense, but that's, that, 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 that's reality. That, that's, we're made out of dirt. Adam, I'm not expecting you to remember this, and I'm going to go this in a little rabbit trail here. The word for soil in Hebrew for ground is Adama. Adam is it's a play on words. It's it's this it's 
it's a someone who's made out of dirt. That's what it means. So, and this is, and God crowns us with glory and honor. Crowns us with glory and honor. That's, that's just another way of saying we're made in the image of God. Verse 5 through 8, and we're gonna, this is where we're going to camp a little more. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Heavenly beings, your angels, your cherubim, your seraphim, all these creatures. We are lower than them. We are dirt creatures. That's what we are. But we have been crowned with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas, everything is under humanity, under its dominion. This is Genesis, again, this is a copy-paste from Genesis 1. That's what it is. And even though we're made out of dirt, we're crowned with glory and honor, both male and female. So this image, this crowned with glory and honor, it's made of the image of God. It means that we can do what creation can do. Creation points. They're pointers. They're signposts. Humanity can reveal who God is. We can reveal His character. We are like that angled mirror. When we see through humans, what we're supposed to see is God. And God reflects through humans to the world. It's both ways. Once, if that happens the way it should happen, then we can come like at the end of the psalm and say, Oh Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, there's the creation part of it. We see it. How great is your name in all the earth. But then we see humans... And then we can say, with all the conviction in the world, Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 80 stating, and we read in verse 6, that God has given humans dominion over his creation. So, and we, we need to stop here. The way, same way we stop with um, this words that appear like glory and other other words like name um we have to start with the word dominion to make a pause there and what does that mean what does dominion mean let's start by clearing out what it does not mean it does not mean to exercise authority over creation in the sense of we're going to exploit it doesn't mean that by explo- exploiting it, I mean exhausting to the point of extinction, which we are guilty of. We have done that. We have also placed ourselves as the center of creation. Means that we, creation is made for us. And these overlap and intersect in many different points. But we have put ourselves in the center, in the middle. We have made it about ourselves. And that's usually a problem. It happens anywhere and everywhere. It is supposed to be, God should be the center of it. 
It is God's creation. It is not ours. It has never been ours. So dominion does not mean exploitation of it. It does not mean I'm, it is made for me. Therefore I can do with it whatever I want. As I said, this overlap. And we, it does not mean that it is dispensable. We don't act on it. We do not think that just because, you know, everything's going to be remade, we can just dispose of it. Especially nowadays, in this time, where things, we, we, we interact with things as, as disposable. We got plastic here and plastic there, and things are not made the same way they were before, and everything is about the consumerism and all these things. So we have been taught that things can be disposed. And we just transfer this to everything, and sadly, everyone. That's why we think sometimes about people. And it is scary, but it's more than sometimes, I would think. So, dominion does not mean all of this. The word sounds like that, in English, dominion, but it is not that. It is not exploitation of it. It is not um, thinking that it is disposable. It isn't. So, what does it mean? What does dominion mean? So sometimes, and we need a little longer phrases, right, in order for us to understand, to probably capture the meaning of this. Dominion is carrying responsibility. So we exercise this dominion. I'm going to start saying carrying responsibility. Not from over creation, but from within creation. Because we are we are in it. We are within creation itself. We're not over it. Now, don't, don't hear me say that uh, we are the same as creation. I'm not saying that. It's a different story. We're not the same as creation. But we care for it from within it. From within creation. This means that we recognize our interdependency. We depend from it. Aren't we glad that it rained? We depend from that. What would happen if it didn't rain? We have stories in the Bible about what happens when there's a famine, right? When it doesn't rain. And different stories and just things going crazy sometimes because of human greed and evil and so on. Things can get, things can get pretty nasty. And we recognize that we, are, we depend on the world we, look, we see, as we also depend on the people that are around us. And we're going to get a little bit of that a little later. So ruling, dominion, carrying responsibilities, taking, is making creation, looking after creation so it thrives, so it can reach its full potential, not over it, but from within it. For example... Um, we did not create apple trees. We, we can't. God created apple trees, right? And they're yummy. Not the trees, the fruit. But, um, I mean, I don't know if you've tried an apple tree. I wouldn't recommend it. But, 
But the, it's fruit. The apples are yummy. They're good. And so on. And, and, and we can do so many things with it. God created them. But humans, we intervene. And this is part of, uh, this is part of um, our caring responsibility within creation. We can intervene by caring for the apple tree. We can protect it from pests. We can water it. We can add fertilizer. And there's so many other things that some of the people will tell you. <laughs> um, what it can be done to it. We intervene so this apple tree can thrive. Can flourish. Can reach its full potential. And this is an apple tree. Pick whatever tree or uh, fruit you want. It's the same thing. So... We intervene with the purpose of making it thrive, of making it reach its full potential. But we also need to know when to stop, when to let it be. Because we cannot make an apple tree or any other thing produce fruit faster than what it is supposed to do. We cannot speed that up. And just think of what, what you know, this is, and, and this is an image that then Paul uses, you know... Um, Paul is watered, and I did the planting or the... I forget, sorry about that. But who gives the growth? The Lord. We can do so much. We can help. We can intervene in order for, for it to thrive. But then there's a moment in which we have to stop. And we need to be wise about that. And then again... A well-cared apple tree will yield plenty of apples. And that's one. One tree. We can have orchards. How many of those, how many apples does an orchard produce? A lot. I don't, I don't know the number, but, <laughs> but John, <laughs> a lot. A lot of apples. A lot of, I don't know. And I don't want to say numbers because I may be very wrong. I do have some numbers here, but... They produce a lot, and not only that, it doesn't only produce you, I mean, we, we get the apple, right? But then what do we do with the apples, besides eating it? We have apple juice, we have apple jelly, we have applesauce, we can make apple pies, and so many other things, and yummy things. That, so that's our part of our dominion, I want you to see that. The Lord did, of course, the hardest part, because He did the apple tree, but our dominion is to do this, to make it reaches full potential. We get all these things and we have this image, this dominion given to us that we can transform and, and do these different products and things with, and that's an apple. What about corn? What about soybeans? What about pears? What about all these different things that, we, that the Lord has put under us, not for us to trample on, but to making it thrive. To making it reach its full potential. However, it is a beautiful thing if we just work like that. But there's a huge problem as the elephant in the room. We we have taken the we have distorted what that dominion means. We have not done we have not cared responsibly for creation. We have not done that. We have abused it. We have exploited it. And, and the sad thing is that this is, we're talking about creation right here. But 
we have that abuse, that, that, that our sin, that distortion of what God has given us, that crown of glory and honor, we have made it a crown of enslavement and power. Abuse of power. Well, the power is bad by itself. It's the abuse of power. And we have not only exploited creation or enslaved it. We have done that to other images of God. We have done that to other humans. And it's, it's scary. It should, it should warn us and, and make it us rethink how we do things. And throughout history, you can see everything that has happened. How that dominion, abuse of creation, we have put humanity there, and we have abused them too. And yes, we think about different things about the word enslaved brings specific um, images and, and, and moments in history. But it's not only that. It does not only transfer to a certain point in time and space. We do it among each other. Whenever we start going our own ways, then we are abusing. Then we are trampling over people. And this is the interesting thing. The, that that um, image that we have been given, that ability to reflect, to reveal, that has not gone away. That is still there. The thing is that we have chosen to reflect other things. Romans 1, 22 to 23. Claiming to be wise, they, we, became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, we have stopped reflecting God. We have not lost the ability to reflect, to reveal. We just have started reflecting something else. Animals. The way they behave. How do animals behave? How do they act? Do they reason? Do they have wisdom? What they have is instincts. And they act on instincts. Nature isn't good or bad, right? When a lion is hungry, it eats. What does it eat? Another creature. And that's okay. That's that's what they do. The same with ants. And it's just a worm. It goes into the apple tree. It just happens. The problem is when we start reflecting these things, we become like that. I'm not saying that we're cannibals. But we get to the point in which for our own survival, we do what it takes. The ends justify the means. That's what we end up doing. And again, this is is something I want to um, emphasize. We usually think in extremes, right? Not necessarily. 
It is the, sim- the most simple things that sometimes, in which sometimes we reveal this nature with our spouses, with our parents, with our children. We lose it. We want our own way. We hurt. It's not easy. I'm not saying this is simple and easy and we need... It's, it's a big problem. And Genesis tells us all about this, that we've just gone downhill. Flood need to, needed to be sent in order to, to save creation from humans' evil deeds. It is bad. It is, it is so bad. So we are desperately, desperately need to be restored. We give in to our desires. We end up reflecting what is not God. We end up reflecting something else. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We are far from reflecting that. Far from it. By ourselves. We are unable to reveal Yahweh to the Lord. To the world, I mean. We cannot do that. We have made a mess. And in this state, humanity cannot accomplish what the psalm is telling us. What is the point of the psalm? It starts and ends with the same line. Oh Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. We have not done that. (laughs) We have not done that. Even the Lord through the prophets or Isaiah says like, My name is blasphemed among the nations because of you. That has happened. We need to be restored. And the Lord knows that. And the Lord did that. We know the story. We, Jesus came, the true human, the one who does not abuse his authority, the one who does not impose his will, the one who does not take advantage of the needy or the poor and the weak, the one who does not let himself go first, the one who goes the extra mile, is the good shepherd. The king is the one who came here not to be served to serve. He fulfills Psalm 8. He lives according to what Psalm 8 is calling humanity to do. Jesus shows us how then we can uh, exclaim, proclaim that His name is majestic over all the earth. And we see this in the in um, the biblical writers, the New Testament writers show us, especially in John, that we're seeing this um, um, this series that we've been over a year, I think now. Um, we see that in John one fourteen. That's what the Lord does. No one has ever. Sorry, that's one eighteen. Sorry, and the world became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full. Of grace and truth. It is when we see Jesus. That we see the Lord. In John 1.18. It tells us the same thing. Well similar. No one has ever seen God. Humanity was supposed to reveal God. But humanity have not done it. No one has seen God. Because we have not done it. That was our call. We haven't done it. We have failed at it. But Jesus, the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus sits at the right side of the Father. He has revealed who God is. That's why Jesus had to, you know, when God came to us, 
took made himself into creation, into this world, he had to be a human because humanity has that ability to reveal, to reflect. Not a burning bush, not a whirlwind, not on top of a mountain, but as a human. Because when we see him, we see the Father. That's in John 14. And we went through this text last week too. No one, show us the Father, says Philip. Really, Philip? Seriously? You have seen me. You have seen the Father. Jesus fulfills Psalm 8. He fulfills it. He shows us what it's supposed to be. And He restores us. So what the image, we are still reflectors. We still have the ability to reveal. Nonetheless, we just reveal something else. But Jesus transforms that. And through His life, death, and resurrection, He cleanses us. He shows us the way. He takes upon Himself all our bad choices, all our bad deeds, and He lets Himself be killed by us. We killed Jesus. We put Him in that cross. He had to do that. He had to deal with all our bad decisions, with all our distorted reflections. But then, He comes back to life. He then opens the door. So you can come to Him and be restored through the power of the Holy Spirit. So now we have the conviction that we are meant to be image of God. We can decide to stop reflecting other things. That's what is read in Romans 1, 22 and 23. And we can begin to fulfill our calling. And now, this is very interesting. Because we are supposed to be image of God, right? That's what we create about in Genesis. And that's still happening. But, because of Jesus, what He has done in Romans 8, 29... We are conformed to the image of His Son. Yes, we, are, we reflect, we reveal who God is. We are made into His image, crowned with glory and honor. We don't, know, we don't know how to do that. We failed at doing that. Jesus came, He showed us the way, and now in, an, in a way that we can understand, we are being transformed, conformed to His image. Because when we see Jesus, we see God. And this is so important because when we see Him, when we imitate Jesus, it's not that we have to stop being ourselves, no. So when we start acting according to His character, we are conformed to His image. And then when people see us, they see Jesus slash God the Father. We are being transformed by what He has done. So, what does this? What, once that we are here at this moment, that we are already being transformed, that the Lord is already doing that thing in us, that He is conforming us, transforming us into the image of His Son. What does caring responsibility look like? We're not all farmers. We don't. We're not spend all the time out there. In, not all of us uh, in the field. What does it mean to care for creation? What does it mean to care, to be responsible, to exercise caring responsibility? Again, it is not a complicated thing. It's not doesn't mean you're gonna go and fish out the I don't know the big island of plastic in the Pacific Ocean. It would be nice. It does it does not mean extremes? 
It is the small decisions that we make every day that make a difference. As simple as, we have two trash bins, right? At least I do. One for recycling. And the other one for whatever cannot be recycled. Um, yeah, compost, right? <laughs> um, we sort things out. Simple things. Not insignificant things. There's, still th- there's, there's a difference. They're not insignificant. They're simple. And it's in these simple things that we start reflecting. What would happen? What happens in, when our children look at us and they see us sorting things? That, has, that is more prominent. That has more weight than whatever we can tell them. Because they imitate. Because we come, and that, well, those words are related, imitate an image. They start copying us. They imitate us. They become image of us. We have been told that, right? Like, you're just like your father. You're just like your mom. It happens. If we imitate Jesus, if we reflect Him, then what would happen to our children? It would happen the same thing. Our spouses, we start seeing that it is important to communicate and articulate that, yes, I love you, honey. Yes, I do this. And I would bring the moon down and so on. But not as living it out. It is when we do this simple but extremely significant things that we become, we reflect God. When I was, um, before I got married, I had this wise um, mentor back in Spain. And, and he, and, you know, one of my concerns was that I'm from a different culture. Christian's from the States, I'm from Honduras. Um, we do things very differently, and so on. So there's called the culture shock, and so on, right? And he told me, you know, the biggest difference I have found between my wife, his wife, uh, is also, they're both from Texas. So the difference, the biggest difference I found is that she's a woman and I'm a man. <laughs> it is true, right? It's what it is. And coming back from there a little bit, it is that you and I are different people. Whatever I say, whether I think I'm communicating, I need to be sure that you're understanding what I'm trying to say. It is in those spaces that we can easily distort the image of God, that we can easily go in our own ways and act by instinct because we get tired of things, because we see habits or patterns. And it's one that you always do the same thing. You always leave the door open. You always leave the light on. Whatever. Pick your pet peeve. Those little things, hugely significant, is when we can make a decision, we can identify the trigger, and self-control, which curiously is one of the uh, fruit of the Spirit, we use self-control, and we articulate things differently. Could you please turn the light off? Would you mind doing this? 
do you want me to do it? Do you need help? You know, it goes in different ways. I'm not saying it is easy. No wonder we need the Holy Spirit, right? It is in these things. We do it with creation. There's so many things, no litter and so many other things and so on. With our spouses, it is this way. With our, in our relationships, how are we reflecting God's image to the people that are around us? How are we doing that? Do we lose it? That's the way I am. I impose my will. I, it is done as I say. Or there is a conversation. We can go around and around on this and be the same. With our children, which is easier, especially with mine, which is six months old, so <laughs> he does what I say. Well, kind of. <laughs> um, so it, it is easier to do it with them, you know, because I'm the adult, I'm bigger, and so on. Why are you angry? What got you upset? Are you frustrated? Why not have the conversation? They, they are smart. They know how to say things. They, or they may need help to articulate things. But they are expressing. They are showing us. They are telling us things. We need to slow down. And we need to identify those triggers. And allow us to stop. At our jobs, it's the same story. Would, you, would we like that our children... Imitate the person that we are at our jobs. Are we being the image of God or are we being tyrants? Are we being disrespectful? disrespectful? Or are we listening? There's so many things. And it is so important because some people... And this is, and this is tied in with what it means to go to the nations... Because the, some people, and many people, the only, the only interaction they're going to have with the gospel is what they see in us. That's it. From our perspective, right? The Lord will be taking care of that because He knows everything. and sovereign. But we can be that opportunity. So, what happens when we do this? And what happens in our relationships? What happens with the people that are around us? And we start doing this. And again, this is not an on and off switch that is going to happen tomorrow morning. It takes time. The same way, and the musicians will know, or people who know the second language will know, or whatever you do, we do not play the guitar professionally from one day to the next one. It's time. Practice. Consistency. But we need to identify. We need to go that. Identify what, need to, what needs to be changed. Stopping. And then transforming. We can only do this. And we know that we have to do this. Because of what the Lord has done. Because of what Jesus has done. Because of the Holy Spirit that is in us. And because we are being. Or we are trying to be soaked in Jesus. Soaked in scripture. Just like a tree or a sea needs water and sunlight and, and the ground, all these things need to be there in order for it to grow. The Lord gives to growth. We need to put these things there. What happens when we do all this and we start taking those little steps into transformation? Then the people around us and the world around us will see us 
They will see Jesus and they will say, O Yahweh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And let's think about this as I invite the worship team to come up. Let's think what, what, what we can start doing. Don't we want our children, people around us, to all come together in unison to glorify the Lord? We should be able, when we see each other, we should be able to say, Oh Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. May we strive to do this. May we let the Lord do this in us as we surrender and give in into, into Yahweh, to what He has done and what He's doing. Let us pray. Father, thank You. Thank you, because it, it is in your word that we find life. That we find out who you are and what you have done. It is, it amazes us. It amazes me. And I'm sure everyone, the lengths you have gone in order to restore us. Giving up your life in order to cleanse, clean us and transform us. Father, we want to be part of your mission. We want to be part of your purposes. We want to serve you. And we do that by serving others. We do that by letting you transform us. So then all together, we can come and say, Oh Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen.